welcome to the All Things Data podcast. Ask a Pro Edition. Whoa, we've gone pro. We're no longer amateurs. Today we've got uh, Jennifer Nguyen. Jen, why don't you introduce yourself? Maybe a little bit about yourself, where you work, and what you do. Sure. Well, thanks to you guys for having me on the podcast today. Um, I'm excited to uh, be talking about myself. I guess who doesn't? <laughs> <laughs> I'm a data scientist currently at Sun Life Financial. When how I describe my job to people is I, I take data and I use that to either one explain things, things meaning mm-hmm. processes, people, and then the other thing is using data to predict the future and again around processes and people. So predicting if a client is going to buy, the client is going to cancel, explaining why a, a client is canceling or explaining why a a client is going to buy. So, so that's that's my role in a nutshell. Cool. That's really cool. Who are your, who would be your typical stakeholders within Sun Life? Is it executives? Is it a different team? How, how if you could talk about it, like how does the, I guess, the organization work from where you sit? Yeah. So I'm fortunate in, to be positioned in a team that works collaboratively across the different lines of businesses. So I get to see different problems that that come up with in each department. Mm -hmm. And so my stakeholders are primarily business folks, people who do, who sit at the forefront of the company who are bringing in the money, making the sales. And then they come to my team to help them optimize their, their processes. Cool. That's pretty cool. How did you get to where you were? Like, what's uh, what's the origin story here? That's funny because someone asked me this a few <laughs> weeks ago, and I said I can easily, uh, like, if you were to draw a line from where I started to where I am now, I can easily do that because I, I think just reflecting back, it all started because I built a website for a professor once in uh, <laughs> under undergrad. Okay. So that that skill uh, of web development led to, I'll skip a little, a few years ahead. That skill led me to my job at the Globe and Mail because my, my skills in statistics, but I also had this other skill of web development got me that job. Oh, really? So yeah. wait, what did you do your undergrad and you did a master's too, right? Yeah, I did an undergrad in statistics and the last third year or fourth year, I was uh, interning with a professor to build a recommender and so the next uh, thing we wanted to do that, with that recommended was test it. And it was just to suggest courses to students. Oh, nice. So, yeah. And so we wanted to build a website around that. Because, you know, if you just build a recommender and just sit in your laptop, how do you know if it works? <laughs> <laughs> That's right. So we had to, like, roll it out. And what did, what did you do? Back. Like, what was kind of some of the tech behind it? Yeah, I, I was R was the how we mm-hmm. trained the the model, and then how and then I think it was a PHP was the uh, website. Yeah, the back the back end of that. Classic. The yeah. front was just you know HTML or CSS or whatever, but that and I at the time like how do I even build a website? I have no clue. So I think it was just <laughs> Dreamweaver. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> like it was just drag and drop and show me the script, and then from there I was able to tweak a few things. And then I plugged in the R model in the back end. So yeah, having that experience uh, got me where, in a way, to where I am now. So because that that experience 
I did have a few more web development gigs between then and the Global Mail, but that that skill combined with my stats background was how I got my first data job. And then from from there at the Global Mail, that kind of just I kept on progressing down the data scientist path from to, to Scribd. And then did you, at, at Globe and Mail, did you, was like data science the thing? Like, were you like, okay, when I leave school, I'm going to be a data scientist? Or were you like, I'm leaving school to be a web developer? <laughs> why, why, like, how did that work? <laughs> I, yeah, I, I knew I didn't want to be a web developer because <laughs> a lot of it was, it, don't get me wrong, like I, I found it was very satisfying to build something out of nothing. I find web development is an easy way to get that satisfaction. Like you're just writing a few pieces of code and you have this working site. But I was more passionate about the mystery of building models and forecasting. Because once I find, once I understand how something works, I get bored with it. Like, okay, I, I know how a website works now. Let's write a few scripts, throw in some HTML, <laughs> right. CSS. Um, you write some APIs and you're good to go. But I was like, elusive, these models that forecast things, like how do they work? So that, that intrigued me and that's where that led me to specialize in machine learning and statistical models. And so, did you do that on the job, like at Globe or did you, you know, were you kind of learning on the side or did you kind of come to Globe ready to do those kind of stuff? Like, were you ready yeah. for analysis or were you ready for web dev or were you ready for both? I, so I left... I, I came out of school ready to do analysis and doing okay. model building. And I was looking for jobs in that area and not, not so much about web development. Yeah. Um, so I, yeah, so I came to the globe ready to do analysis and that's why I started off doing. And then uh, towards, I think kind of like a few months into it, my director was like, okay, I need you to build a website that does data analysis. <laughs> <laughs> That's why I hired you. <laughs> so I, mean, really cool. I got the best of both worlds a little bit there. I was able to use my modeling skills and there was a lot of SQL. It was different types of modeling in a way. It was not just statistical modeling, but it was data modeling, like mm. how to come up with the uh, design of a database. Right. Um, because when you're building a website, that website's going to hit some kind of database. So how do I structure that database correctly or in the best way so that it, the latency is, is uh, low. Mm -hmm. um, Those are some so like it, engineering thoughts. Those are absolutely like not analyst thoughts usually, right? Oh yeah. Yeah. I, <laughs> I think it's funny because now, right now at work, we're um, looking to productionize a model and my head now is, uh, so I spent most of July tra training models and my head yeah. has now switched over to the engineering uh, side yeah. of my brain. Okay, like how do we put this into production? What pieces need to put fit together? Yeah, so much like and machine I, learning engineer at this point for all of July, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. And I, I, some, there's, now that I'm in the, the engineering mode, I, I'm thinking <laughs> like, it feels a bit, I feel some way a bit more comfortable because oh. uh, I know how the pieces should fit together. Whereas when I was training a model, it was still elusive. And there's, I feel like with data science and machine learning, there's still a bit of an art to it. If you know what yeah. I mean? Like yeah. if I, if I tune the parameters this way, or if I put in, put in some more variables or more features, will the, will the model improve? Like when do I stop 
improving yeah. this model. Yeah. Whereas like with engineering, you know when it's done. It's like, okay, all the pieces fit together, everything flows down the pipeline, nothing is breaking, done. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. Definitely yeah, more easier to yeah, it's much easier to test for data engineer or just strictly engineer than it is for scientists, right? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Less yeah. definitely less like explorative, right? You're yeah. not like you're not like hacking it around and just be like, well, maybe I should try this thing or test that yeah. thing. For engineering, so, it's like you know the pathway. Yeah, mm -hmm. it's less trial and error in a way. Right. Now so you have you have all your ingredients you, you that you spent training the model and all these other pieces that you kind of. It's like the, the, the machine learning data science part is like being a chef and trying to create a new recipe, new, new dish. And yeah. then, and then the engineering side is like, okay, just follow the recipe. <laughs> yeah. yeah, yeah you're, you're kind of a cook, not to like undermine any engineers out there. I mean, like I'm sure, you know, like with Tesla engineers, they're always coming up with something new and exciting. Yeah. So. Yeah, but I mean, it's it's very much the dichotomy of science versus engineering, right? And, yeah. And yeah, there's a scientific method for a reason where it's just like we have hypotheses, we experiment, we have no idea how to really get there, but that's maybe exactly. you get close enough, right? Yeah. And like no, you're saying, the way. problem is we don't know what close enough actually is ever. <laughs> that's that's a very good way to put it. Yeah, it's a uh, data science is exactly it's it's science. <laughs> It is. It's actually science, and it's yeah. it's well structured, even with the words that we use for it, to incite the the scientific mind. Except that yeah. it's often led by engineers or CTOs or CIOs who have been engineers in the past, and you sometimes get into this like weird sort of like chat with them, where it's like, "You want me to deliver certainty, but that's not what we do." Mm -hmm. <laughs> yeah, you know. Yeah. Yeah. Um, oh, go ahead. Go. Oh yeah. So quick question. So I guess, you know, you've, you've seen your career trajectory move along, like you've started out as a sort of kind of an analytics and moved your way up to, to data scientist and then, you know, lead data scientist. What, what kind of skills have you picked up along the way? Like what was the thing you started with? And then like, what kind of you, what have you bolted on? So I guess when people first start out, they have this base skill set, and then what was kind of added or your thinking process through. So how did you grow with skills and thinking? Yeah, I would say, like I said, when I was working with a professor, all I knew was R. I didn't really know Python as much. Python at the time was just to write simple, fun little useless functions for CS 101 or whatever. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. Like dev, dev stuff. Yeah. Um, so I started with R and all my statistical analysis was done using R. So if I were to, if you were to ask me what three courses were useful to me in university, any of my stats, because uh, that was where I learned how to use R and uh, understand models, the, the, working be, the workings behind statistical models. My database course, that's where I learned SQL, which is proven to be invaluable for yeah. a data scientist. So SQL and then, and then my my CS course in Python. And at the time, Python was still a new, youngish language, but it has, it has exploded since when I um, graduated at university. Yeah, and I think it, it actually just overtook Java as the number one language in the yeah, world. Yeah, it's kind of like, a, it's, it's a stitcher of all different, it brings together different languages too. So if you don't know C or mm -hmm. C++ or the, one of the more compiled language, 
you yeah. can still use Python because one of my struggles coming out of uh, university, even my master's like, oh, I wish I learned how to program in C because then all my models and my training of my models would take, happen a lot faster. Yeah. Because, like, yeah. But I found that and a lot of, I, I found learning C was difficult because just the way that it is compiling, compiling yeah. the, you have, to, you have to manage memory and all that. And one of my blockers at the beginning of my career was uh, I was doing, I was working for a computer vision company and one of their main libraries, uh, OpenCV is written in C or yeah. one of this compiled language. Like, oh man, how do I, how do I use this? Cause I don't know C. But then eventually I've seen now that somebody uh, thankfully converted that library over to Python. So it's, yeah, Python has become this like gatherer or connector of, of yeah. uh, program languages. It's funny because it's not even a very good language if you're talking about like the the speed, the latency yeah. and, and memory management even, you know, yes. like it's actually pretty crappy. Yeah. But we always, as people who make things, end up making choices and and work within the constraints and like Python mm -hmm. just has every library that we ever need. So yeah, kind of stick to it right now. Right. Yeah. And I think that's its strength. It's that it has so many libraries and, and those libraries have maybe C or Java under the hood. So then, you know, yeah. we sacrifice, sacrifice a little bit of the, the speed for the compatibility. Right. Yeah. But even that's bad right. language could be made to be good. I mean, all of Facebook is running on, most PHP. PHP. <laughs> yes. yeah. Right. yeah, they they just compile the language, right? They take yeah. their PHP and recompile it, and yeah. basically end end up back at C, and their yeah. code is running in C almost. So, yeah, I mean, there's there's so many, so many, so many advantages right now to to Python, and also for think of like your career trajectory going from analyst to lead science, lead data scientist. Mm -hmm. If you had to do all of that over, and it was only in C. That would be a way harder thing to do, don't you find? Yeah, I I think if I were to do it all in C and the world still played out as the way it is, I probably, I don't think I would probably get a job in industry. I, that may be a controversial opinion. But, uh, <laughs> <laughs> I would probably get a job in academia because that's where I think, at least one at a time, my uh, peers at university, they were running experiments using C and but I remember someone asked my professor, like, what's, what's the best language right now for industry, or right, like, language right now? And he said, right now, in the, for industry, it's Python. I think in academia, it was something else. But I remember that very clear, like, even in 2012. Yeah, he was yeah. already saying Python was the yeah, one. Yeah, that was on its uh, ascension. But I mean, yeah. I think, you know, C is, or, I mean, Python has solidified itself as a, as a, you know, the leader, I mean, other, there's always these like conversations of like Python killers and whatever, but I mean, <laughs> Python's going to be around for a long time. Yeah. Right? And I mean, the community yeah. is what drives it. So you're not yeah. going to have mass exodus or anything. Yeah. And I think the only reason, like from time to time, I do flip over to R because yeah. like the, uh, statistical, the, visualizations? Uh, yeah. the a little bit of that, but also like building certain models, some more classical traditional yeah. uh, stats models that nobody has taken the time to write a good library for like a, what's it called survival analysis models so, so oh. survival models or yeah. right now i'm building a model an ordinal logistic model yeah. and i don't think scikit-learn has that 
but somebody did, I forget his name now, but he, he did create a very good survival package for Python. Hmm. Ah. And there's going to be more and more migration. I mean, yeah. I think R is going to always have more statistical models just yeah. from yeah. academia and people building out their own like obscure, yeah. weird yeah. model. But, you know, Python will catch up eventually. As in, you know, if you need a model translated or transferred, someone will eventually do it. Yeah, I think it's just a matter of time. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Sure. But, yeah. but were, there, were there any other skills that you had, you know, where you started and then like kind of where you went? So you kind of Pythoned up, were there things like AWS or, you know, like your productionization skills or like the thinking you've had that kind of was along the way in your trajectory? Yeah, that's, I was just reading an article yesterday. I was like, what are the skills for data scientists in 2020? And the um, author of that article scraped a bunch of job posts for the Indian, um, or sorry, the India market. Right. And uh, cloud skills were up there. So knowing AWS, knowing Azure, knowing mm-hmm. GCP, and that never really occurred to me. Yes, I need to learn cloud skills or cloud tools. I think that just happened naturally because at the globe, they use a lot of AWS. And so I was just came, became familiar with it organically. Mm-hmm. And then like two, we've just adopted AWS last year. And so having just and then the thing with AWS and the Glees cloud service providers is you need to be in an environment where that, where you need that scale. Because if you're just at home, at home learning yeah. it, it's yeah, like, yeah. Well, why do I need this? <laughs> <laughs> I don't need EMR on yeah. like a 500 yeah. row data set. This is as being a bit extra as the kids would call it. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But the yeah, kids. it has become, it has become <laughs> important. Just to know the language too, when people are like, oh, S3 and, you know, just drop it into your, uh, your S3 bucket or right. spin, up an, spin up an instance or an EC2 instance, just knowing that lingo, lingo even helps or even how things flow from one um, tool or one product to another. Yeah. Right. Right. Um, yeah, knowing that stack. Yeah, fair enough. Yeah, yeah. So that stack. And then I guess like things I would like to work on is, yeah, my productionalization skills so like right now are you mainly modeling right now like people are saying like you're being more stats than prod yeah so at sun life the prod part of it is taken care of by it and and so our job is to come up with the model train the model hand over the model to it here's also the etl script that you need um, to run so then you have the data that go into the model please help me automate this and then um, right. that's where they go off and they do the automation part and help fine-tune anything that may take too long so uh, optimizing right. speed and is do you find that generally the IT department like I don't want you to poop on them or anything but are they the right people and have the right skill sets to productionize that stuff or would there be somebody better suited within your team if you had like carte blanche to do whatever you want. If I had carte blanche to do whatever I want, I would do it myself <laughs> because yeah, okay. it would just be easier because I to just, because uh, I know what needs to be done instead of like, oh, it's like, it's like, you know, when you go on vacation and you need to hand over your responsibilities to someone else who's kind of new and you're like, okay, well, I have to tell them <laughs> this and this, make sure you, you know, turn this off before you do that. And it's like all of that sometimes. Yeah. It's um, in your head and uh, you have to like 
document everything. You know, hopefully you documented everything uh, carefully. So yeah. in a way, it's just easier just to, if I had, if I could just do it myself. And that's why I believe if you could be a full stack data scientist, that would be ideal. And that's just my opinion. But in a way, when I was at the Globe, I was doing full stack data science. Yeah. Uh, being a web developer from from the front end to the back end. Yeah. That's cool. And that's Which like is, kind of unicorny. Yeah. <laughs> but it's yeah. also a lot of fun, right? Yeah. It was, and like I said, it's like, it's like building something out of nothing. And it was, yeah. it was satisfying. Well, I guess also yeah. like your model goes away and then you're like, oh, okay, bye. Yeah. And you're like, that's it, right? Like that's, and then yeah. on to the next one. Like, you don't like see it, like you don't see it. Yeah, 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 you don't yeah, see it. Yeah, it's like you're, you birth the child, like, okay. Take it adoption. <laughs> yeah, it is. It's full adoption. Yeah. I see. Yeah. Here you go. Adopt our child. Yeah. <laughs> now it's your job to raise it. Uh, I have just uh, one like topical but final question from my side. Does Sun Life or generally have you seen or heard really about the explainability of models? And is that a major concern? where some stakeholders, especially executives, want that? Or do they kind of understand, well, you know, there is a little bit of black boxiness about this and it's not always the most explainable thing, but we rely on it anyway. Oh, definitely. Explainability is a key part of our modeling process. It's even Mm -hmm. built into the validation phase of our model cycle. That's where an independent team comes in to evaluate and validate our models to make sure it's up to snuff. Yeah. Because um, working for a financial institution, there's a lot of compliance Thanks. risk involved around our decisions, If it's especially if those decisions are from a model. So yeah. auditors could come in like, well, why did you decline life insurance for this person? Uh, so. Right. What, that was one of my key lessons uh, when I started Sun Life was, okay, I built a XGBoost model. And then mm-hmm. my boss was like, well, can you explain why I did this? Like, no. <laughs> like, it, it got boosted. <laughs> yeah. So I, that, well, I had to go back to the drawing room. Okay, how do I explain my XGBoost models? Like, because it, it, there, there was always, you know, the uh, trade-off of do I want better performance or do I want explainability? And right. that was always yeah. like... Well, one or the other. So, like, if I use the performance sure. to the engineers, <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so, you know, if you want explainability, sure, I'll use a linear regression, but performance won't be as good. Yeah. But actually, uh, that's where I came across this like, neat concept called shock values. And essentially, it's how do you attribute each the importance of each variable in your model to the output of that model? And it's a game theory concept. So like if, you know, if the three of us were playing a game, mm-hmm. how like, and we, we won, like who gets the most credit? <laughs> the, oh, I certainly yeah, yeah. Yeah, so attribution to like the variables, like the driver of yeah, uh, yeah. the drivers of the model. Yep, Yeah, so sure. yeah, we, we, we were playing basketball and I threw the ball to Jansen and then Jansen threw it to Vic and I didn't end up scoring the, the basket. We all touched it at least once. So yeah. like, how do we add? Yeah. So that's to say the same concept is what SHAP values are based on in terms of the model. So which variables in that model is the most helpful. Cool. And so that's how, that's how I was, I was able to explain my XGBoost model using this concept of uh, uh, Shapley values. Yeah. Very cool. One, one last question before we go, cause I know we're coming up on time here, but mm-hmm. imparting knowledge 
all the all the noobs out there or all the intermediates or anyone that wants to grow what what advice do you got for everyone listening uh learn how to build a website no. <laughs> 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 definitely i would say i think there are two things that got me my my start was yeah you had to build a website but also i built a website about myself so making uh-huh. sure you can market yourself to and your skills because that that got me uh, the attention from my my prospective bosses like that's how i also got my job here at sun life he looked he liked my website genuine.ca yeah yeah plug go look at your google go go look at your google analytics after yeah yeah (laughs) (laughs) then i can attribute why to this podcast there you go that's right (laughs) um but yeah i think that that's i guess uh being able to market yourself in general no, that's, cool. that's some great advice. There's, you know, everyone's always just, here's my, here's my resume, the end. I do a lot of things. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Build from scratch. Well, you know what? Build a website. It's <laughs> just like, yeah. no, that's awesome. But yeah, Jen, thank you so much for your time. You know, it was great, great kind of catching up again. And, uh, you know, thanks for contributing. A lot of people out there really like to hear origin stories. And I think it was a, it was a great, your ascension to, a lead data scientist was uh, pretty straight and all tied back to starting a website. Yep. yep. Well, thank you. To, yeah. Thanks to you guys for having me on today. It was really fun. Thanks, Jen. Thanks, Jen. Thanks. Thanks everyone for yeah. listening and we'll uh, catch you guys soon.